Hello, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Weekly Roundup on the Rebellious Reviews podcast, a place where I pretend to know about movies and you pretend to care. On this week's episode of Weekly Roundup, I will go into some news coming out of Black Panther 2, some news that's coming out of Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and a new A24 movie that is in the works that I have some thoughts about. Uh, At the end of the show, I'm also going to review all the first viewings that I've seen uh, this year so far, the first 12 days of the new year, and in hopes to add those reviews onto the channel as well as new releases that I will review. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to Weekly Roundup on the Rebellious Reviews podcast. If you're unaware of what Weekly Roundup is... To say it simply, I give you all the biggest movie news that happened within the past week. I then further the conversation by giving you my thoughts and opinions on each. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Uh, shout out Philip DeFranco. Um, so the first news that's coming out of the Hollywood Reporter is that there are some issues going between Legendary and Warner Brothers. If you don't know, Legendary is a film distribution company that often distributes their films to Warner Brothers. One of those being that's supposed to come out this year, is Godzilla vs. King Kong, which is a highly anticipated film. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. The first Godzilla was fine. I didn't see King of Monsters, but that flopped. Uh, A lot of people like Kong Skull Island, and this is supposed to be the battle of titans between the two of them. So, maybe it'll be good. I have no idea. I'll probably see it. But, anyway. If you remember a few weeks ago, Warner Brothers came out and said that... All of their upcoming films this year were going to release both on HBO Max as well as in theaters. And Legendary wasn't too happy with this because they distribute Kong versus or Godzilla versus Kong to them. So they were unhappy with this HBO Max plan and in result they wanted money for any possible box office loss that they received because you can imagine a movie like this, especially a stupid expensive movie like this, um, I have to, here, I'll look up, I'll look up the budget, maybe, maybe it's online, hold on, Godzilla vs. Kong budget, let's see, um, 155 million, that's way less than I thought it was, I thought it was gonna be at least like 250, maybe not, I, I think I'm, I'm so spoiled with Avengers movies, but anyways, uh, so they wanted to receive some sort of compensation for any possible box office loss that they received because they're going to have to hit a lot of box office. <laughs> they're going to have to get a lot of box office dollars in order to surpass their budget. And in result, Warner Brothers then paid Legendary $200 million. So you may think that this is all fine and good. Well, there's another movie coming out under from Legendary that's being distributed to Warner Brothers, and that is Dune. And I've talked about Dune before. I am very excited for Dune. And as I said before, Dennis Villanueva, the director of Dune, were pushing for a theatrical release, as they said, because they wanted to have a chance to create a franchise from this, which I think that's... BS still. I think they want as much money as they can get, which is fine, which is fine, but they are still, he still wants his movie to be a theatrical release, and Legendary's backing him up on that, which I find very interesting. So, they already get this payout from 
Warner Brothers for one movie that they're doing, but they continue to back a huge director in Villanueva who directed Blade Runner 2049. I'm sure other movies. <laughs> it's a very highly liked director as far as I'm concerned. And they are backing them up. They want a theatrical release, I believe, in October at some point. So, I think that this is not the end of this. I think that Warner Brothers is going to continue to want to put this on HBO Max, try to get out those subscribers. But, if we're up to me, I, I'm kind of leaning towards... Oh, shoot. Sorry, my phone. Um, I'm leaning towards the Legendaries side of this one. Because you kind of... You can't just make this huge plan like this, like dropping all your movies on HBO Max without consulting with companies that you're aligned with when it's their money at stake as well. So, but as far as I know, they got most, they got their money back for Kong versus, or I'm sorry, Godzilla versus Kong, whichever, I don't care. Uh, but so far, Dune is continuing to be pushing for a theatrical release and by from the way that the news is saying which i don't know things change all the time this this quarantine was supposed to only last until like august last year so and we're over we're, we're still going so they're pushing for fall for most things to be back to normal after millions get the vaccine in the united states and millions around the world as well so my hopes is that Dune can see a huge theatrical release because I want theaters to open up again. Uh, there's a theater in town that is open, but still, I, for the theater business, I would like for all of them to be able to get up and be up and be able to financially support themselves. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically all I have to say about that. The next news is that there is a new A24 film in the works that is going to be directed by Darren Aronofsky, who directed films such as Mother, Requiem for a Dream, and Black Swan. Two of those are very, very, very highly appreciated films. The other one is kind of mixed, I would say. And this movie is going to be titled The Whale, which is going to be an adaptation of the play, which is about a 600-pound man with a compulsive eating disorder slowly eating himself to death alone in his apartment. Uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be written by Samuel D. Hunter. And we have a casting, which, and this, with this synopsis, I can only think of, like, one character that would be in this. Because if he's eating himself to death alone in his apartment, then this cast, I guess, would be him, right? It's going to solely base around him. Anyway, without beating around the bush, Brendan Fraser has been cast. Um, as far as I know, Brendan Fraser is not 600 pounds, so it's going to be some prosthetics, I assume. But my main concern <laughs> with this film, you got to be so careful with this. you got to be so careful. If you go at this film with the angle that, oh, being obscenely overweight is unhealthy and disgusting that is gonna piss so many people off me included because we've seen that before 
And that's a trope in tons of movies. Like, oh, no one likes the fat girl. No one wants to date the fat guy. Sorry, my phone's blowing up with Twitter notifications. But, yeah, so, I'm intrigued. If you don't know, I am a huge A24 fan. But, this movie's gotta be really, 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 really careful with this. And I'm very, very intrigued by Brendan Fraser being cast. Because, I mean, I know his name, but I wouldn't consider him an A-list anymore. What's the last film he's been in? Alrighty, typing time. It isn't a Rebellious Reviews podcast if I isn't, if I isn't, if I isn't, if I am not randomly googling stuff in the middle of a podcast so brendan fraser (laughs) the first thing that came up is what happened to brandon brendan fraser from 2018 shut up phone jeez people also ask why did brendan fraser stop acting why did brendan fraser leave hollywood someone oh I'm not going to go into that, but he may have left for a very, very, very personal reason. But anyway, I'm not trying to, like, take a dump on this guy or anything. I'm just saying he's not a guy that is unanimously known anymore. Like, the last movie that he's been in, let me look at his IMDb. Because, like, people know him from, like, The Mummy. People know him from Crash. Uh, his very, very uh, uh, Oscar-winning role as George of the Jungle. Um, (laughs) He is... Oh, he's in Doom Patrol. I didn't know that. I've not seen that. He's also in Professionals. A couple episodes of Professionals. Uh, The Secret of Karma, Life of Descent, The Poison Rose. He was in Titans, so I guess he was... Oh, he voiced in Titans for Cliff Steele. Okay word so he's been doing a lot of tv but he was in the nut job which is a a movie i guess i think i've seen that actually is that the one with the the squirrels maybe gi joe rise of the cobra sergeant stone he's uncredited dang that sucks anyway um but yeah so i mean like i said i trust a24 with most like castings at least because there's a 24 films that i don't necessarily like i'll go into one later actually stay tuned but usually the acting is very well done i mean they got a great and i will i I am not afraid to say that they got a great performance out of adam sandler and uncut gems so it's not that i'm afraid that he won't be good i'm sure he'll probably be pretty good i'm just very 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 nervous at the angle that they're going to go out with this movie but enough about that, I guess. Um, I don't know. But also, fair warning, a lot of these stories are going to be pretty short, but I have a long thing that I want to do at the end of the episode, so we'll just go into that. Uh, so story three uh, is something coming out of Collider. Collider recently had an interview with Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Scarlet Witch and MCU, and who is... 
one, WandaVision is coming out, I believe, in like like set like next week or something crazy. I believe it comes out this month. Um, but she's also going to appear in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, which is going to be directed by Sam Raimi. And in the interview, she praised Sam Raimi on his work about his, quote, amazing work on the film. And she says, he is a specific type of filmmaker who loves playing with his camera. End quote. Which makes me excited because I love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. If you know me, you know that. I am excited for Multiverse of Madness, mainly because I'm excited for the idea of Multiverse with all the news of possible appearances from Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to reprise their roles as different Spider-Men, which if that is true, I will be over the moon about that, but let's not talk, get into that because this episode will be three hours long if I do that. Um, but hearing this coming out of Elizabeth Olsen that she's, she's very happy with the work that Sam Raimi has done makes me super excited, uber excited you may say. Again, that, that's basically about it. Um, I'm very excited for this movie. So, And our next and final story is about Black Panther 2. Now, we all were struck. I think that's a fair word. We all were struck when we heard of the untimely passing of Chadwick Boseman, who is very very famous for his role in Black Panther as well as his role as Jackie Robinson and he has his movie that came out last year I believe like the end of last year on Netflix uh, Ma Raimi's Rainey's Black Bottom sorry and pretty much universally loved right uh, so this story is coming out of Deadline that Kevin Feige confirms that there will be no CGI Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther 2, which is good. <laughs> I think that's a good way. I think that's good. That's very good. Because we've all seen when they try to do CGI work on actors who have passed. We saw it, saw it twice that I can think of in the Star Wars movies. Um, in Rogue One, to be... To be particular, um, Carrie Fisher, her, she passed like just before that movie came out, or a little bit before. No, I guess it had to have been before because they CGI'd her face. But she may have still acted. I don't remember. I don't care. I mean, I care, but I don't. I don't care to get the logistics correct. But and it didn't look great. Her CGI didn't look great. So and with him being the star of this film, it would be really, really bad if they CGI him the entire movie I would be very unhappy with that and I feel like that would come off as very offensive to a lot of people but I'm very happy to hear this I don't know really how far they got into filming Black Panther 2 I don't think anyone really does but as far as I know the film will explore the different subcultures and mythology of Wakanda which I mean Saying it like that, you almost make it sound like like T'Challa isn't even going to be in it that much. If that's the case, that's that's strange. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with Black Panther 2. I don't really care. I'm just, I'm upset over the passing in general. So, I just hope that they do it right. And I hope that they give him justice. Do justice to Chadwick. So, R.I.P. Wakanda forever. Um, so that's basically all the big stories that I have. I do want to get in. I'll do a quick lightning round. Which, if you don't know what the lightning round is, is basically if I have news stories where I don't, I'm either too ignorant about or don't care enough to go into explicit detail I will share them quickly in the lightning round so first Kevin Feige confirms Deadpool 3 will be in the MCU and will be rated R so the first part of this he is in the MCU which is sick cool I like the first Deadpool movies they're very good um, and will be rated R yeah duh obviously <laughs> I think that was something that we were all scared of. That like, oh, what if they make a PG-13? They've never made a rated R MCU movie. But it's Deadpool. Like, those movies are so successful. I think they're like the highest grossing rated R movies ever, maybe. They're up there, if not. But to me, they were gonna... If he shows up in an Avengers movie, yeah, he's not gonna be dropping the F-bomb. But his own movie yeah this is going to be rated r probably which is fine that that you need to do that with the character of deadpool that's just me like i said i think i believe i believe i said last week how suicide squad was going to be rated r and i said that opens up a lot of possibilities for certain forms of humor but i don't believe that the rating automatically like says how good the film is going to be like the rating doesn't set the quality for the film if it's rated R, that doesn't automatically mean it's going to be good. Duh. But when it's on the flip side, if it's a character like Deadpool putting it on PG-13, you've got to really restrict yourself with this character. Half the stuff that he does in the first two movies you can't do in a PG-13 movie. But anyway, uh, next... Oh, we got, we got, we got double delayed, double delay news. Uh, Morbius has been delayed and will now release on October 8th, 2021. That makes sense. I mean, it's October, so that's Halloween. People are wanting to go see creepy movies. Um, and Morbius is a pretty creepy character. I mean, he's a vampire, so that makes sense to me. Um, no Time to Die is expected to be delayed again to fall 2021, so around the same time. Um, this is coming out of deadline for No Time to Die. And this movie's been pushed back so much, jeez. They're just praying for this movie to come out. I know that's that's the main reason that I believe AMC closed down. Or was it Regal? It might have been Regal. Because they were, they were all banking on... Because... Uh, because James Bond was... No Time to Die was originally supposed to release in April 2020, as far as I'm concerned. Then it was pushed back into the fall. And I believe it was Regal was basically banking on that movie to stay open to hope that it would be a big box office draw. Then when they delayed that movie back even farther into like, I think spring of this year, they... Closed, they closed down. They said, we, we don't have anything now. We don't have anything. We don't have any big box office draw that's supposed to bring us in. But 
And now they're going back even farther into fall. So with Dune, with Tenet, I mean Tenet, sorry, I was thinking of Warner Brothers, sorry. With with Dune, with No Time to Die, with Morbius. Fall looks to be a pretty pretty busy slate, so I just hope movie theaters can be open by then. That's my main hope. And finally, uh, we got some first look at Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence's new Netflix original, Don't Look Up. I don't know a whole lot about this movie, but the images look really, really cool. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited, but that's about it. So now, there's some, there is an idea I have about bringing, um, bringing a new segment instead of Rebellious Reviews podcast. And there's not many people that really listen to this. I'm not really expecting much feedback. But I've had this idea to basically have a weekly thing where I review quickly the first viewings. Like movies I saw for the first time within that week. So I'm going to try it out now. And if I like it, I will do it every week. Maybe first viewing Friday. I'll do it every Friday, but we're going to start now, and I'm going to review, I'm going to go over my first viewing list, so basically what that means is that movies that I've seen for the first time this year, but I'm going to review all the ones that I've seen for the first time within the past week. I'm keeping a list on Letterboxd, and if you want to follow my Letterboxd, let me pull it up for you real quick. So my letterboxed is at Rebel Review. I believe is how you can find it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Rebel Review. So just R-E-B-E-L Review. And I have a list of where I am keeping all my 2021 first viewings. And I'm going to go through all of them really quick. So the first movie that I watched in the new year was Nocturnal Animals. Directed by Tom Ford, starring Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal and Aaron Taylor Johnson. This movie is so good. <laughs> oh, God. My headphones fell off. Jeez, oh, I got so excited. This movie is so good. Like, insanely good. I was really blown away with the story. I was blown away with the, like, the directing. Which, I don't know much movies that Tom Ford has done. This is the first one I've seen. And... It was just, it was really, really good. The story progressed greatly. You're super engaged. The camera work is fantastic. Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal are both great. Uh, basically, a brief synopsis is that Amy Adams receives a, uh, basically a, a book from, like a novel from her ex. And it's a very violent, violent story. And she has trouble sleeping. And so basically... And her long awakened nights, she reads parts of this novel, and we see that play on screen. We see the novel play on screen. But parts of the book, certain parts, are really messing with her head and really making her rethink certain things about her life. But, like I said, Amy Adams is great, the directing is great, Jake Joan Hall is fantastic. Aaron Taylor Johnson can really act, and I had no idea. I had no idea that he was a good actor. I've seen him in Kick Ass. Um, and he's good in that. 
I saw him in Tenet last year, and this, and the man can act, and I had no idea. He's in Godzilla, but I, I, I completely forget about that movie, but that's neither here or there, but, but yeah, that, that movie's really, really good, so I believe I gave that on Letterboxd a four and a half stars, I want to say, yeah, four and a half stars, I really, really like this movie, surprisingly, um, all right, next, A Clockwork Orange, <laughs> that was the next movie I watched, uh, that was directed by Stanley Kubrick, if you don't know, and this basically just follows a sociopath who has a gang of goons who basically just do horrible, horrible things to people, and something happens, and they he ends up having to receive this treatment to try to make him good again. And the movie is brilliant, brilliant masterpiece, so good, insanely creepy, insanely creepy. I will give a fair warning there. There is parts of the movie, if you haven't seen it yet, there are parts of the movie that are really, really hard to watch. And certain parts of the movie where I feel, why is this here? If it was in other movies, I always say, like, this specific thing that happens multiple times in this movie. I'm like, this doesn't need to be in a movie. I don't need to see this. But, I, I feel that it is fair to put it in this movie because... It advances the plot in a way that I don't think anything else would have sufficed. Maybe it didn't need to be as graphic as it was, but... Because the whole thing is about they're trying to show just how bad this man is. And he's a horrible person. And I feel that showing what they showed definitely, definitely shows that. But I gave this one a five stars. This movie's brilliant. So good. Um... The next one I watched, I completely forgot to mention one. I think I watched this before I even watched Nocturnal Animals. I'm so sorry. Um, this is that A24 movie I was talking about. Uh, it Comes at Night, directed by Trey Edward Schultz and starring Joel Edgerton. This movie is basically about, um, uh, he lives in a desolate home with his family and there is an unnatural threat that terrorizes the world, basically the sickness, right? Um, he... He establishes this domestic order with his wife and son, but a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge to his home, and he basically has to decide to let them in or not. He ends up letting them in. That's not that big of a spoiler, but some some stuff goes down, right? Um, this movie's incredibly boring. <laughs> it is so boring. And I, I hate how bored I was watching this. I watched this with my buddy Scotty, and he fell asleep. He fell asleep during this movie. Um, shout out Scotty. But they this movie is incredibly boring. Nothing happens. Like, it's insane because I've never seen a better movie that I was so bored at. Like, the story is good. The directing is great. The camera work is awesome. Like, the story on paper is a good story. The camera work is awesome. The acting is fantastic. I don't really know any of the other actors' names, but I know Joel Edgerton. But it it, the, it was just so boring. <laughs> like I I couldn't. I found myself like 
just like like zoning out so many times because I just got really bored by this. Like, just nothing nothing interesting happens to me, like in my opinion. But I believe I gave that one a three and a half stars because I was being a little generous. Because like I said, everything else in this movie is very well done. It's like they were building tension for stuff and nothing happened. There was no payoff. That's the best way I can say it. There's so much tension in this film and nothing happens. There's no payoff for that tension. So I was generous and I gave it a three and a half stars because like I said, everything else I could go right in this film did. I was just incredibly bored. But um, the next film that I ended up watching, I did what? So that was the first one. Then was Nocturnal Animals. Then Clockwork Orange. Then Dr. Strangelove, because I found myself in a Kubrick kick after watching Clockwork Orange, so I was like, I wonder what other Kubrick movies I haven't seen. I've seen Full Metal Jacket, I've seen The Shining, um, I just watched Clockwork Orange, so I was like, okay, I'll watch Dr. Strangelove. Um, I had no idea how funny this movie was. I, like, straight up, I had no idea how funny this movie, I didn't know going in that this was a comedy, right? Like, it's basically like satire, kind of. Uh, this is, I really, really liked it though. It was so good. So basically a, um, after an insane, this is just what letterbox synopsis says. After the insane general Jack D Ripper initiates a nuclear strike on the Soviet union, a war room full of politicians, generals, and a Russian diplomat all frankly, frantically, sorry, try to stop the nuclear strike. And a lot of this movie takes place in the war room and the dialogue is just so good and the acting is great and the tension is there and like it's like that uncomfortable humor like you're so tensed over a certain event that's going to happen and then like someone says something super funny and you can't help but laugh but you like uncomfortably laugh and it's 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 awesome. This movie's so good. Kubrick's insane. I need to watch more of his stuff. Like I said, I've seen I've seen uh the Shining, I've seen, uh, uh, not Eyes Wide Shut, I've not seen that one yet, I was planning to watch it the other night, but I didn't, I've seen Full Metal Jacket, most of it, I think I get bored in the second half every time, and I never finish it, so that one's the worst one I've seen so far, uh, Doctor Strange Love and Clockwork Orange, and it goes Clockwork Orange, then this one, then The Shining, then Full Metal Jacket, so far, I want to watch more of this stuff though, because this did, I mean like, Oh, hot take. Stanley Kubrick's good at filmmaking. Obviously. But, yeah, so I gave that one a four and a half stars because it didn't hit as much as Clockwork Orange did. So, I gave it four and a half stars. Uh, I watched a lot of good movies this week. but um, The next movie I watched was The Game, starring Michael Douglas and directed by David Fincher. I wanted to watch... I'm trying to really focus on directors and like which directors I like and which ones I don't. I've seen some David Fincher stuff. I've seen seven, most of it. I've seen, I need, I need to go back and rewatch these movies. Anyways, I've seen most of the social network. There was a time where I was really big in the movies, but I never finished them because I would always watch them like as soon as I got home from school and they'd be like on demand for free and I would watch them and then my mom would get home. So I'd turn it off. So I, there's so many great movies that I started and haven't finished. So, but anyway, this one I finished, um, the game, uh, it, it's really good. So basically the super, super uber rich guy who's like a head banker or something, um, Nicholas Van Orton, 
a financial genius and a cold-hearted loner, receives an unusual present from his younger brother, Conrad, a gift certificate to play a unique kind of game, and nearly a nanosecond, why'd they say that? Nearly a nanosecond, Nicholas finds himself consumed by a dangerous set of ever-changing rules, unable to distinguish where the charade ends and reality begins. This movie is a psychological mind, like, twisting, just cluster dude like this movie's nuts and i really really dug it the acting is good the story is good like basically every movie i watched this week has been really really good but um i feel like i keep saying the same thing but david fincher is able to like like i know he didn't write this film but still he's able to visually show tension show like when there's a huge reveal keep us engaged and it's very well made and michael douglas is great in it uh i will say this was almost a five star for me on letterbox this was almost a five star for me however the ending is so stupid in my opinion in my opinion it's so stupid i'm not gonna like I want to spoil it. This movie came out 24 years ago. <laughs> like, screw it. I'm going to spoil it. Quickly skip to like 33 minutes and I should be done by then. So basically, it was his brother all along planning for this big birthday bash that he was supposed to have for his brother. And the way that Michael Douglas's character took it so simply was just BS and I hate it. Okay, that's it. Um, so, wait, no, I think I... No, that's it. That's it. All right. So yeah, the ending was stupid to me i hated it um so i gave that one four and a half because the ending was just goofy to me uh the next movie i watched we've we've just got two more people two more stay with me uh the godfather part two i watched godfather part one for the first time it was still in 2020 so i'm not counting it for my first viewings but i watched part two for the first time in 2021 masterpiece obviously um ridiculously long like it's so long <laughs> it's like three and a half hours long or something take like takes four four days to watch it i'm just kidding we watched it in one sitting but it was it was it was long man um i guess this will be a quick double review uh they're both great obviously these are both renowned as some of the best movies ever made so obviously they're good i'm not going to tell you anything life-changing they're fantastic movies if you like film watch them they're so good but i will say i will say on impulse after watching it and i will explain i think i like the first one better i i'm pretty sure it's more popular that people like the second one better but i think i like the first one a little better i love watching michael corleone develop into the godfather that's so sick that's so dope to me Oh, that was a big spoiler, I guess. I don't know. This this movie's 50 years old, so I I do not care. <laughs> These movies are almost 50 years old, so don't care if I spoiled that for you. But they're both fantastic. Both five stars from me. They're both masterpieces in their own right. But, yeah, okay, one more. And this one's a little weird one. This is uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is a German film that... Is came out in 1920, directed by Robert Wine. It is a silent film, and it's the first silent film I've ever watched. 
and I kind of dug it. I, I really dug it. So basically the synopsis, Francis, a young man, recalls in his memory the horrible experiences he and his fiancée Jane recently went through. Francis and his friend Alan visit the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, an exhibit where the mysterious doctor shows the somnambulist Caesar and awakens him for some moments from his death-like sleep. And basically just all hell breaks loose and crazy stuff happened. But I was very intrigued by this one because, like I said, it's the first silent film I've ever watched. So I didn't know what to think going into it. But I really dug it. It was pretty cool. I'm a huge dialogue guy. Like, I really like good dialogue. A bad script doesn't necessarily ruin a movie for me. Like, like Joker. Joker does not have a great script. It's not a great script. It doesn't ruin the movie for me. I love Joker. Super Dark Times came out in 2017, if I'm remembering correctly. Pretty awesome movie. I really dig that movie. I don't like the script that much. So a bad script doesn't necessarily ruin a film for me. So no script didn't really take me out of it. Um, obviously with just, they didn't have the technological, technological advances that we have, obviously. So there's some information that they just give you bits and pieces of information. So you don't really understand completely what's going on because they didn't know how to give you all the information. But still, it's just storytelling. It's very, very, very well done. But yeah, so I believe I gave that one. Also three and a half stars. Uh, the lighting was really good in that movie. The way that they used lighting was, was really, really cool. So that's it. That's all for my reviews of my first watches in the first 12 days of the year. Hopefully, I really dug this. So I'm probably going to do this every single week. Maybe go more and actually be structured into my reviews. Um, or maybe I'll just do, I'll just do a single review that's what I should do. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll do a single review for each new movie that I watch the first time. And then I'll just give a recap of where it lands on my 2021 first viewings. think that's what I'm going to do. Awesome. Way to think of that on the spot. So my list as of now is at number seven, it comes at night, followed by The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Dr. Strangelove, Nocturnal Animals, The Game, The Godfather Part Two, and at number one, Clockwork Orange. So... Uh, that's about it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, stay tuned for more reviews that's going to come out on the podcast. If you liked it, if you hated it, let me know. I don't care. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm new at this. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you listening. Uh, thank you so much for coming by and I hope to see you again.